1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: This is the Puck Podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new edition of Puck Poolies, presented by ProLine Plus. It's Matt Larkin with Stephen Ellis. And Stephen, minutes before we started the show, we found out about the Ottawa Senators' purchase almost a billion dollars, Michael Anlauer. Give me just a quick
2: reaction before we jump in. Well, it sounds like he was one of the favorites from the beginning, and you know he had ownership stake in an NHL team, stake in an OHL team, so he knows how to run a hockey team. And let's let's look at it like the Ottawa, or the the Hamilton Bulldogs, now the Brantford Bulldogs, one of the most successful teams in the last couple of years. So you know, let's see how it works.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. At least from what I understand, among the various suitors, it was the best case scenario because of the fact that he has that experience, pretty steady hand. And Eugene Melnick, the late Eugene Melnick, his daughters, keep 10% of the franchise, which is kind of nice too. So we'll see where that new arena ends up going. Maybe LeBreton Flats, but uh, we'll find out should be interesting in the weeks and months to come. So we are entering the off-season mode we're starting to see player movement since our last show we saw Ivan Provorov change teams Damon Severson change teams they both went to the same team the Columbus Blue Jackets so we're getting into that mode even though the stupid Stanley Cup finals still being played Uh, but we do we do want to get going with our off-season fantasy discussion and preview it so that's going to be where we start today right it's going to be the off-season preview part one which is going to be looking
2: ahead to possible trades and free agencies. So let's get it started, my friend. All right, let's look at uh, Connor Hellebuck to start. You know, this is a guy that is very interesting due to the fact that he's, uh, it sounds like he won't be going back to Winnipeg, won't sign an extension. And uh, it's someone that can still be a starting goalie. We know he's still one of the best goalies, but where do you want to see him go?
0: Yeah, so and just to to rewind it a couple seconds, it's, it's, we're doing trade candidates here first. We're going to talk about prospective free agents, but this segment will do the main trade candidates that are pretty much, if not guaranteed, as close as you can get. Almost locks to get moved in the coming weeks. So Connor Hellebuck, if we're looking for where would be the ideal destination for his fantasy value, which is what is most important to Puck Pooley's listeners, I believe, because we're talking fantasy here, I really like the idea of Connor Hellebuck playing for the New Jersey Devils. That is a team to me that I think could be my Stanley Cup pick for next season, depending on what happens in the weeks to come. Assuming they get Jesper Bratt figured out with his contract and Timo Meyer, I really like their chances next year if they can solidify that goaltending. So just from a fantasy value standpoint, I would love to see Hellebuck in New Jersey. I think he would lead the NHL in wins if he goes there. See
2: the one we've brought up Carolina before is a team that needs a goaltending. We do know Kochekov will be ready to go. He's got a fan or a very friendly deal there. Uh, but if they do move on from Freddie Anderson, Hellebuck to me would be a great pickup there. But it, I think for that, it's just uh, you know that that's going to be that's going to take a lot of assets to bring that in. It's like a team that you know they're in their contending window now. You don't want to give away a lot of good assets, but you can maybe maybe it means you got to throw away a guy like. Maybe you put in Martin Etches in a deal. Maybe you throw in Suzuki. These deals that we've been hearing as a potential offer for a guy like Alex to well, what if you get that goalie you really need? Because while goalies are hit or miss, and Hellebuck has had those hit or miss years, he's had enough of those hit years where you can really... if you could rely on any goalie, he's one you can rely on. So uh, what do you think of Carolina there?
0: It's interesting. I think, you know, for him, it would be a boon to his value. I'm sure his rate stats would be the best of his career because Carolina does such a good job preventing chances. But I wonder, because Carolina is so good defensively, it's almost like whoever plays goalie for them ends up with good numbers. So in my mind, what they need more is scoring if they're going to have to devote resources. So I don't know if it's worth removing one of their – main forward assets to go get a helibuck i think they can probably find a cheaper replacement that they can pair with kachetkov next year so uh, i don't love carolina for helibuck i love carolina for a, a few other names that we're going to get into so we'll we'll keep the train moving here
2: all right next one is pierre Luc dubois the guy who's been linked from the montreal canadians for what seems like about 25 years we've heard some of the asking prices that seem a little ridiculous but what are your thoughts there
0: my favorite potential destination for Pierre-Luc Dubois would be the Minnesota Wild. And that is one of the teams I listed as a potential landing spot for him. I have an article on dailyfaceoff.com right now looking at the potential destinations, and Montreal is one of them as well. But just the idea of Dubois playing with Kirill Kaprizov, to me, if he goes to Minnesota, he gets an unquestioned number one center job. Joel Eriksson, obviously great player as well, but he has to do a lot defensively. So if Dubois were to go to Minnesota in a trade, I think he's going there specifically to play with Kirill Kaprizov and I think he would have career best numbers in that scenario of course it's a little complicated for Minnesota they have more than 14 million dollars in buyout penalties to figure out so it's not the easiest trade to make they'd have to move a body out that has a significant cap as well but just from a, a, a hockey standpoint he's a great fit there and I think from a fantasy standpoint he could have the best numbers of his career if he goes to Minnesota.
2: Minnesota was the first one I picked, and obviously there's a lot of people projecting to go to Montreal, but it's like crazy idea. What about Columbus again? Like, you know, like <laughs> well, like they're starting to build something and they've they're willing to trade assets. And you know what? They've had a lot of good young defensemen prospects that they're gonna not have space for all of them. Uh so at a certain point, you know, maybe that's what you look at and say, like, okay, like maybe Svolzell and a couple of other assets and we bring in a guy like well, if he'd be willing to go back, but like now that team would be pretty competitive given all the trades they've been making.
0: It's funny, I thought of that just from a hockey standpoint, it actually makes a ton of sense. And I actually was talking to Jarmo Kekalainen last week about the Provorov trade, and he was saying he's not done and he knows that he needs a center. So it actually would fit. I just don't see Dubois being willing to go back there because his whole his whole thing is forcing his way out of various cities. So uh, I I I would be pretty blown away if that happened. I, I also think Colorado would be an interesting fit if they don't want to spend the overpay to keep JT Comfort. Go for Dubois instead and then you have Dubois and McKinnon up the middle.
2: Yeah, especially with Landis out and you need some extra scoring punch up there. So that that was another one I thought. It's just like how do they make that work? Uh Carter Hart, you know, a lot of questions about whether he'll be traded or not, that we know the Flyers are willing to make a move there if they need to. But, you know, there's been talk about whether his status of being on that 2018 Team Canada team will impact anything. We don't know what the situation is. We don't know how he's linked, if he's linked, whatever. But at this point, that is a question. But if he is moved, where does Carter Hart go?
0: To me, I would like to see him go to a team that has strong structure in place. Because we know he actually had some resurgent years the last couple seasons in Philadelphia. It didn't really show in the overall numbers because he just had bad teams playing around him. But after that really rough season he had in the the, the shortened 2020-21 season, I think he's really bounced back. And I would love to see him on a team like, for example, the LA Kings, that's kind of knocking on the door of true contention. They're a good defensive team. They have good defensive forwards as well. So I just think he'd have so much more insulation and protection
2: that we could see him post the best numbers of his career on a team like that. It's funny. The thing, the team that stuck out to me first was Ottawa, and it's a team that is on the rise. They get a good young goalie that can really solidify them. I think, you know, again, goalies are hit or miss. He has had a lot of misses in his career, but we just know that the potential's there. He was playing in a Philadelphia team that was dead on arrival last year. Uh, when you've got key players that are out of the seat out for the season at the start of the season, that doesn't help. Um, so Ottawa would be one I would think would like to see. And you know, there will always be people like wondering, like, what about Toronto? Just because of you know, you know Sam. Samsonoff as a restricted free agent would heart be a, an upgrade. You know, I'm not sure we saw what Samsonoff was able to do this year. And we know Joseph Vol's coming, um, but with with Murray or of heart, I, I don't think there's sh- going to be a shortage of, of suitors. It was interesting, though, that it sounded like the Montreal Canadiens were out on him right away because uh, that seemed like a guy that would really be the one that bring them forward. But, yeah, you know, so I, I'm thinking Ottawa just because we know he'll get a ton of starts there. And I do expect Ottawa to be a better team. Next up, Alex DeBringat. Speaking of Ottawa, Uh, he's a guy who's heavily in the the rumor mill right now. What are your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, it's fun to sort of picture the different spots for him because he's so, so much still in his prime. And I think last year it took him a while to get going but i still think there's another monster season or several more monster seasons in him if he lands in the right environment it's fun to sort of fantasy cast him uh, on edmonton oilers sort of uh, reconnect the eerie otters with him and connor mcdavid and we know the oilers have had a little bit of trouble filling that right wing kyler yamamoto just has not peaked and become the what he was supposed to be and of course yesi pool is now gone uh, so I like that idea. But the Oilers are still already pretty strong at forward. They don't really need that much help. To me, the New York Rangers are desperately in need of help on the right side now because you have Patrick Kane as a UFA. You have Vladimir Tarasenko as a UFA. I don't know for sure that we'll see either of them back. Definitely not Kane. Tarasenko, he did. He was fine as a Ranger, but I don't think he absolutely lit it up. Um, and this would give the Rangers a, a body with much more upside. You'd much rather be paying Dabrinkit who's in his mid-20s as opposed to Tarasenko who's exiting his prime now Uh, and I kind of like the idea of a trade that maybe sends Alexi Lafreniere to Ottawa that's someone who could use a fresh start and then you get two you get two of the top three picks uh, from the 2020 draft in your lineup but I still think there's plenty of potential in Lafreniere but I do think he needs to go somewhere that gives him a bigger chance to play higher in the lineup more consistently Um, and we just know the Rangers like they're in Win now mode right now, and they're just really weak on the right side at the moment. Especially because, unfortunately, Capocacco also has not been realizing his potential. So I think from a hockey standpoint, that would be a great fit.
2: Yeah, I 100% with the Rangers. Uh, Oilers, you can't go wrong there. And the Hurricanes has been the one that a lot of Sens fans have kind of linked him to. So mm-hmm. this would be a good fit. And, you know, talking about the Hurricanes, seeing another guy who could score goals, there's your guy. Yeah, I love that fit too. Carolina is a perfect fit for him. All right, next up, Evgeny Kuznetsov has only ever played for the Washington Capitals in his entire career. Uh, you know, there's been the, the his best years seem to be behind him at this point, but it looks like he just needs a fresh start. And the Capitals are not in a full rebuild at this point, but they've sold off some assets. It looks more like a retooling at this point. They won't rebuild as long as Ovechkin's there, which is also part of the reason why I think they're going to pick up Matt Mitchkoff. But uh, your thoughts on Kuznetsov and where he could go?
0: Yeah, it's funny. I'm sort of recycling some of the same picks, but there's a reason for it. There are certain teams we know that just need forward help. I think Minnesota with Kaprizov would be a good fit as well, but I actually have Carolina for Kuznetsov is the number one fit because that's a team that just since they let Vincent Trocheck go, they could not solidify that Number two center Jordan Stahl, more of a defensive role. He's a UFA as well. I'm sure he'll be re signing. But Jesperi yemi he had his moments, but he didn't consistently show he can be the number two guy. I think Kuznetsov and Carolina would be a much better fit. Someone who's just more of a pure offensive player, which is what Carolina needs. They have so many players who are just very conscientious defensively at forward. They need someone who's just all about the offense. So I like him for Carolina.
2: Yep, no, I good. There's a reason we keep mentioning Carolina <laughs> that there's a team that's right kind of at the front here and could do something very good in the next couple of years. Um, but you know, for it, it feels like their contention window opened a few years ago and they just haven't been able to get over that that hump. Now they got to start doing something and they mm-hmm. got to go out there. and You wrote a good story about it because they, they got to make a, a move for a big star at this point because Netself would fit that bill. Um, Mark Shifley, a guy who. You know, Winnipeg Jets. It just seems like they're going to have to blow everything up. I'll throw one name on the board right here: Boston Bruins, uh, a team that you know with uh, who knows what's going to happen with Patrice Bergeron and guys like David Krejci. But if you could bring those guys back, and then you could also get Scheifele in it, I think you keep that that window open for another year for sure.
0: Ooh, that's an interesting pick, especially because if Boston is still considering itself in just pure win now mode, maybe you don't even have to sign Shifley to an extension. Maybe you just rent him mm-hmm. and you figure out the cap stuff for the, the next season later. They are still in a bit of a pickle because they have those bonus overages. They have to pay uh, Bergeron and David Krejci. I think it's more than $4 million. So it's a little tricky, but if they're losing one or both of them, of course, they have to replace their center position. So that's a very interesting fit. I like that one. Uh, Caroline, of course, I don't have to go into the reasoning because we know we already said it several times on the show already they need a number two center Uh, a couple other options i think columbus would be very interesting for mark shifley so the blue jackets are a team that they are trying to think long term as as kecklein told me last week but he also indicated you know they need that center and the two pieces they've added in pro robin severson sends a message that they're actually trying to climb quicker than they might have implied originally so to me he would level up that offense Maybe you have to sacrifice someone like a Cole Sillinger who did take a step backward Mm -hmm. in his uh, second season with the Blue Jackets last year, right? So maybe he could use a change of scenery anyway. You'd also have Shifley and Line They weren't always line mates I know in Winnipeg, but they had plenty of time together. So that could be a little bit of a a rekindling there too. Uh, I also like Seattle as a team that maybe now that they understand that they are way further ahead than they expected in their development, having Shifley... Up the middle would give more insulation to Matty Penears. It would also allow Shane Wright to develop slower. And I think that would really solidify you up
2: the middle, too. So he would be an interesting fit to me if Seattle decides, hey, we're pretty good. Let's kind of go for it here. Yeah. With Shane Wright, you know, a guy that really worked in his draft year on better, getting better defensively. And, you know, it seemed like when they put him in, they were expecting goals. He wasn't scoring, things weren't working. I thought his, his defensive play was actually pretty good. Um, but you don't want to. Put him in that role where he's going to be end up just becoming a defensive center when he's got that other skill. He's a good playmaker, smart shooter, things like that. So it's good to give him a bit of extra time. So I, I like Seattle actually a lot there. And it, it feels like a year ago, there was no way we'd be talking about Seattle being a team that'd be looking for all these big talents. But, you know, it just for a team that I, I think they'll, when you look back at how Vegas almost won the Stanley cup in 2018. That was a team that just grinded everybody. They were built on hard work and Seattle kind of had that same thing today or this year where, you know, Maddie Beniers, you expect him to be good. He's going to be hopefully the team's first real star, but you know, Vince Dunn was probably the MVP otherwise. And mm-hmm. like, that's a guy you would never have expected. So this is a team that just, yeah, you give these guys these opportunities. It works, but at some point like Vegas, you're going to start to have to add those high profile pieces and with shifley that'd be a really good one eric carlson a guy that uh feels like he's been the trade rumor again for quite a long time wasn't traded at the deadline he's on one of the most expensive contracts in the nhl but he's on a team that literally just is there's no words to explain how poor the san jose sharks are uh so it looks like they're going to be shipping him out there where does he go
0: to me the buffalo sabers would be an amazing fit Uh, Yeah, if you look at all the studs that they have, they're really strong on the left side in terms of where everyone's natural position is. Rasmus Delino Owen Power are both lefties, right? And in terms of what you have on the right side, you don't have nearly as much upside and the Sabres are ready to contend now they could use a veteran leader, Eric Carlson out there could really help the power play as well. And even on a personal level for him, it's probably a good fit because his wife Melinda is from Ottawa originally. So it's not too far from her hometown as well. Uh, And I just think it would be a great way to send a message that Buffalo is like ready to really make a push in the East. Uh, I, Of course you'd need to find a way for San Jose to take on some money. Cause we know Buffalo also wants to add a veteran leader at mm-hmm. forward as well, but I really
2: like the idea of uh, Carlson Buffalo. I think it would be a lot of fun. Hey, we go back to Seattle. What about Seattle? A team with $20 million in cap space. It looks mm. like the, the only really big name they got assigned is Vince Dunn. Um, so there's that, but like, he can handle that. But you look into that, you know, Morgan Geeky, Daniel Sprong, Kale Flurry, Will Borgen, Carson Susie, like those are guys that are restricted or are unrestricted for agency. Uh, there's nobody making over five million dollars on the blue line, no one making over five point five on the entire team. So actually outside of Grubat or the goalie, but you know, they got the space to make that work. And Carlson could give them a really nice pushback there. And we know he could generate offense.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I think if you did that, maybe you would need to to trade Justin Schultz because you might have a bit of a redundancy there. Not that Justin Schultz is Eric Carlson, but just in terms of what he brings to the table, he's a righty who's just basically a pure offensive weapon. So you might want to move Justin Schultz to a team that
2: just needs a righty puck mover in that scenario, but obviously he'd be a massive upgrade. And Seattle does have four picks in the first two rounds this year. So they do have some assets there. So Mm -hmm. we'll see. I feel like San Jose is not going to get perfect value for him regardless. So you just got to take what you take. And JT Miller, again, just going back to the guys who just been in the trade rumors for a while. Ever since he's, Before he signed his contract, uh, he, there was all the talk about where he was going to trade. Then they signed him to a long-term deal. It didn't look like a great deal. He started to play better in the second half of that year. And we know he does have a lot of value fantasy-wise because he's a center left wing and a right wing. Let's hope he stays that way because that was part of what made him so valuable last year. But where does he go?
0: You know what's funny with JT Miller is for a while like throughout the season, the idea was, oh my God, his extension hasn't even started yet. $8 million. What has Vancouver done? This is going to be a disaster. But now that we've gotten to the summer, so this would have been his UFA year. The idea of JT Miller being available for seven years at $8 million, that's actually a discount. Like he would be probably getting nine million on the open market so to me he's actually not that unattractive of a piece to pursue especially now like i don't know if vancouver would be willing to retain salary for an entire contract but even if they don't just that's a reasonable aav for what he brings to the table we know the pittsburgh penguins previous regime had interest in him i don't know what kyle dubas's plans would be uh but for a team that clearly is trying to contend in the present that would be a major piece to add to a forward core that was really struggling from a depth perspective it would allow you to play you know whether jt miller drives his own line as a third line center whether he plays the wing i think it gives you a lot more options and deepens that that forward group a lot and help and keeps that window open even though i don't think they should be doing that and the penguins are doomed but Clearly, the way Kyle Dubas spoke in that intro presser, they plan to keep trying to run it back. So if that's the case, I guess go for it and chase a veteran. And JT Miller, to me, is a good fit.
2: Dubas is going to have to be aggressive, and while I do agree, the Penguins do need to start looking forward here and not continue to try to, to make this work. The same time, it's like with their prospect pool, it's just like it's going to take a while for them anyway. So I think at this point, just while you still have Crosby, while you still have Malkin, you have Latang, and you have to assume when Latang and and Malkin signed, it was part of the deal was like we're going to stay competitive. In that case, I think you got to still do something here. You can't just give up here. So, uh, yeah, I like Pittsburgh as a pick there. Uh, We we were just talking about guys who are trade candidates. Let's talk about players that are going to be pending free agents. And let's start off with which UFA you are expecting to lose fantasy value this year.
0: Okay. I believe that JT Comfer's fantasy value is going to go down. Uh, if we look what happened this year, obviously he had a career year. He elevated into Nazem Kadri's spot and it really worked well for Colorado. I think he had better offensive numbers than I thought he was capable of. But now he's probably priced himself out of Colorado because it's such a weak UFA class. I think It just would be wise for him to test the market. Somebody's going to overpay for him. But JT Comfer is not someone who can create a ton of offense on his own. His most common linemate this year was Miko Rantanen. If I played with Miko Rantanen for a Mm -hmm. year, I'd probably get like 11 points in the NHL. That's a good Miko Rantanen is. So I just think it's very difficult to imagine JT Comfer having a better linemate, regular linemate than what he had uh, in Colorado. And even if he re-signs with the Avs, I think the Avs will possibly try to fortify their lineup more at forward this time around and it's not even a guarantee that Comfort is their number two center next year so I just don't know if in either scenario we're going to see Comfort in the same role next year good real life player but I think he might be a little bit overvalued in fantasy next year.
2: Nope, I 100% agree. And it was going to the Stanley Cup final in 2022 and seeing how many JT Comfort jerseys there were. I'm like, wow, he's a big deal here. So I know that's a guy that they won't want to give away or let go, but, you know, just going to pretty much have to happen. For me, it's Freddie Anderson. Uh, I think, you know, a guy that, his health has been an issue the last couple of years. And you look at the games played. He, yeah, he, he did play 52 games last year, but he only played 34 games this year. And we know Coach coming coming uh, in Carolina, which makes, you know, what's the deal for Anderson here for me? I think if they could somehow convince Anderson to come on a term friendly deal to stay in Carolina, if that was possible and have him work with Coach but knowing now that Coach will probably be the number one guy. And, isn't going to be sent down to the miners due to, you know, cap reasons or the fact that like they have two other goalies. Uh, I think that this time if you go with that combination, if again if he's willing to sign there, I still think that's a pretty good goalie combo because we know that Anderson when he's healthy is is still a pretty strong goalie. You know, his stats this year weren't great, but last year they were. Last year, he was a guy that was looking like a potential Vesna candidate for a long part of that season. A .92 save percentage, uh, 9.22, with four shutouts, and he played over fifty games, uh, thirty five wins. Like that guy did really well. And this year, you know, the stats weren't great, but he still got the wins. He's still bringing that value, and Carolina is still a good team. But if you're giving him, like. F- 35, 40 games. I think he's he's a valuable goalie in real life, but that loses your fantasy value. So for me, I'm thinking Freddie Anderson's not going to get better uh, in fantasy hockey. He's not going to be the 35 win guy he was for a while, but Mm -hmm. you know, he's he's still going to be someone where I think he's going to play on a contender next year, no matter what.
0: Yeah, I think that's bang on. And to me, not all goalies are like this. Some goalies do better when they get peppered, but it seems like Freddie Anderson settled well playing on LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. A team that is really strong defensively in front of him. So it means that if he leaves Carolina, no matter what basically unless you're going to Boston like in which he's not so it means he's guaranteed to be playing on a a weaker defensive team and that'll hurt his numbers I think he can still help a team in real life like I said before I think Buffalo would be a really cool fit for him as sort of a mentor like in tandem with Devin Levi I think that would be it but again in that scenario his his own numbers would take a big hit so I think that's a that's a bang-on pick
2: Yep, some. All right. I like that one. Uh and uh which UFA are you expecting to gain at fantasy value? And I'm thinking this your pick's a hot take. As good as he's been, I'm still thinking it's a hot take.
0: Yes, and this one needs some explaining because I, I think he's going to be overvalued, but it's a matter of comparing what he was this year to what he was next year. So I'm picking Aiden Hill. So Based on his performance in the Stanley Cup Final, we're recording this on Tuesday, so by the time you're listening to this, it's possible that the Cup Final is over and Aiden Hill has helped Vegas win. Uh, going into Game 5, he had a 9.34 save percentage in the playoffs, 9.15 in the regular season. He was dominant. So if you look at any scenario now for Aiden Hill in terms of what his fantasy value is going to be next year— Either A, he has earned himself a significant role on a new team, whether it's as a starter or 1B, he's going to be playing the most he's ever played next year. So that alone ups his value just for volume categories. Or Vegas decides, hey, he's our Stanley Cup winning goaltender, they keep him. And he forms a tandem, maybe it's with Logan Thompson, they have a lot to sort out in that net. But again, that also cements his fantasy value because next year going in, he has a much more secure job for the entire season. So I do think he'll be overvalued, because of what he did in the playoffs. So he could be a buyer everywhere next year. But if we're judging him in terms of how much his value has increased, I think wherever he goes, he's going to be a relevant
2: goalie on draft day next year, which he absolutely was not at the start of the season this year. I don't think he's gonna be a number one goalie next year. Um, But we've like this is not a guy that just kind of showed up out of nowhere. This is not a Louis Domingue situation. This is a guy that when we've talked about four, like was a very highly rated goalie at one point as a prospect and Coyote Sense loving him saying this guy's going to be very good. And now he's finally showing that on the other hand here, you look at the other goalies this year. Lauren Brassant had a point nine two seven say percentage didn't lose in regulation this year. Um, 11 games, but still good numbers in those 11 games. Uh, Aiden Hill, you know, 0.915. Logan Thompson, 0.915. Now, Hill's playing great in the playoffs. Uh, we got to give a lot of credit to how Vegas' defense is going, but you got to do a bit more than just you know block shots. Like you still have to have your good goalie, and he's been saving their bacon with a lot of highlight reel saves. But I think, you know, just with. I, I feel like Aiden Hill still needs a good defensive support system because we saw him get exposed in San Jose. We saw him get exposed in Arizona. So that's why I'm thinking it's a bit of a hot take, but I do expect him to. To be a full-time NHL goalie next year, at least for sure, it's not going to be like a two, like a three situation. He's not going to the minors; mm-hmm. he'll be value there. I'm going to stick in Vegas though for a guy, Ivan Barbashev, and you look at how he played in Vegas. He had 16 points in 23 regular season games. He's been one of the best players in the playoffs, but he had a really rough time in in, in St. Louis last year. He had 60 points, so everyone probably thought, "Oh, he's still a good, valuable pick." He goes out there, he gets 29 points with the Blues this year. Just just nowhere to be found. Uh, he needed a change of scenery. He was a good trade target. But I think that, you know, now that we've seen enough of him in the last two years, if you ignore that St. Louis part, of him really playing some impressive hockey, I think that's the real deal. I think he will be there. Plus, we know he hits. Uh, he's an absolute wrecking ball of a player out there. Like, take it down, Raikou Kudis, That's not an easy thing to do, and he did it. Uh, so I think Barbashev's a guy that should be able to gain some value because I do think now people should be able to have a bit more faith in him. It wasn't just like, he went from 12 points to 60 points. Okay, can we trust that? And then he falls off. Okay, he's bad again. I think now with the way he's played in Vegas, the way he's been so valuable for that team, I think people should have more belief in him now.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And it's funny, he would be a good fit to stay in Vegas. I think the key thing is, he showed how useful he can be as a winger. Maybe that's the thing. Just don't sign him to play center, sign him to play the wing. Mm -hmm. and be a complimentary piece on a top six in a top six role, and it seems like it's a really nice fit for him. So I agree. I think he's proven he can hang on a high skill line.
2: I, I just you know I I love guys that are that big, that could hit, that could score, it could do everything. It's just a fun player. So all right, uh, that's it for talking about those players. It is time for the tip of the week, which is as much this season, as much as any season taught us not to invest fancy draft capital in goaltending. Now you're saying that to a guy who drafted three goalies in the first five rounds this year.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) it's, it's not exactly a new piece of advice to say, Hey, goalies don't matter in fantasy, but the way I can summarize it is no, 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 seriously, they really don't. Like this year took that entire principle to an extreme. You look at who's in the Stanley Cup final, Aiden Hill, Sergei Bobrovsky, neither guy was even a starter for his friggin' team going into the playoffs. And so if I look at my own league scoring system, so that it, for goaltending categories, it has wins, saves, goals against average, save percentage, shutouts, five categories, okay? These are the top 10 in the 2021-22 season. So Sturkin, Markstrom, Sorokin, Anderson, Kemper, Saros, Tristan Jerry, Vasilevsky, Jack Campbell, Podrovsky. This season, Olmark, Sorokin, Ottinger, Georgiev, Hellebuck, Gustavson, Gustafson, Vasilevsky, Saros, Samsonov. So only four of the top 10 turned over year over year and remained in the top 10. There were multiple guys top 10 in fantasy value who were not even starters when the season began, such as Gustafson, Samsonov. So to me, it's just showing how fickle the position is. It's even more so. Vegas, again, Vegas had five goaltenders this year that were viable NHL players and all had hot stretches. So to me, I think it's just solidified the idea of... Don't even touch goaltenders. Even the guy that you think is going to be the number one most reliable goalie on the board tends to disappoint. Like Jacob Markstrom was second in the Vezina Trophy vote last year. He was barely usable in fantasy mm-hmm. this year. Maybe there are a couple exceptions. Like I can't imagine Jake Ottinger having a bad year next year. And I, I feel very comfortable with Ilya Sorokin, of course. So yes, there are a few exceptions. But overall, unless you get one of those elite, elite players, uh, even like Linus Olmark, there's nowhere to go but down after what he did last year or this past season as well. So I think you go zero goalie treat goalies like running backs in fantasy football more so than ever.
2: See, I I do like all and I still think he'll be a good goalie, but I think it's, it's just buyer beware for sure with him. It's just because again, I don't expect him to do that again. Like Mm -hmm. that was unbelievable season. Like again, who knows if, what if he gets traded? Like there's just so many questions about the Boston Bruins this season. Uh, so I would be, I'd be a little worried about going there. So that's the tip of the week.
0: Alrighty, and next up, it's our best bets segment presented by Proline Plus. And obviously, we're still just playing out the string in the NHL season. Even though you know we have teams making trades for next year, but here we are, Florida Vegas are still playing hockey right now for some silly reason. Even basketball is done, but I digress. Uh, there are not too many things to bet on in terms of live action right now, but we are going to bet on game five. So again, this is Tuesday morning, as we record this, you can still place your bet for the game, which is tonight. And I'm looking at the under minus 5.5. Okay, for game five, plus at 205 is the value on that one. And the reason why I sorry, one sec here, Stephen. I just had an Adobe alert pop up here <laughs> on my screen. Get out of here, Adobe. Okay, what was I saying? So the under minus 5.5 goals for game five. The reason why I'm liking the under is The series has gotten tighter as we get deeper into it. Games one and two had seven goals and nine goals. Games three and four had five goals each. Uh, We also know Matthew Kaczek's status is very much in doubt. Either he's not gonna play or he's gonna play and be significantly hobbled. So that holds back Florida's offense as well. I could see Vegas coming out a little tight. This is the first time in franchise history they have the Stanley Cup on the line they have a chance to win it in their own building. I think there could be a bit of a game 7 feeling each other out, kind of nervous atmosphere to start that game, which is going to keep offense limited. Teams might be trying not to make mistakes. So overall, I could see this being a tight, you know, 3-1 type of game. Uh maybe Vegas does win it on home ice, but I just don't see it being a real barn
2: burner, and that's why I like the under five point five. What do you think? I like it too. You look at Florida; they've been able to shut games down. When they need to win, they've been able to play a two-one hockey game quite effectively. And I expect that they're going to put up that fight today. I don't expect the Florida Panthers to win. I do think Vegas is going to pull this off and finish the series. Uh, also, I hate that there's a, like a what three-day break after this. We don't play like, again <laughs> yeah. until Friday, so it's almost like, to a point, it's like it'd be nice to see it not continue. But uh, I think you know this is going to be a, a pretty tight game me. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, well, a word from our sponsor, of course. As always, ProLine Plus is not just another sportsbook, being the only sportsbook that gives 100% of profits back to Ontario. ProLine has been your local trusted sportsbook for over 30 years, now offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in-store, online, or take the game on the go with the ProLine app. With your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips, download the ProLine app and bet in-app with ProLinePlus.com to Plus today or head over to prolineplus.ca to learn more. First time that I've stumbled on the ad read. I think maybe all season. It's it's a sign that things are are winding down, Stephen. Let's move on now and talk prospects. This is a prospect who's been popular. He has appeared in the section more than once, but there's another reason to discuss him now. So who do you have for us?
2: Yeah, I, I just I love talking about Lucas Reichel. And, you know, last time I talked about him, you know, he was just getting called up from Rockford. He was going to be playing the Blackhawks. I thought he looked great with the Blackhawks, but he's never going back to Rockford. It was very really nice when I got to see him in the NHL this year. I will never see that again because he's going to be playing with Connor Bedard next year with the show Blackhawks. Uh, I think that's just going to help his fantasy value so much. The, the fact that you know, he's had two 50 point seasons in the AHL is a very good sign. That's not easy to do for a 21-year-old because a lot of these guys that are his age are guys that are coming out their first year of CHL hockey and they're just trying to get adjusted to pro hockey, but he had that experience of playing in the DEL for two years. so He comes over. We saw him play a bit at the Blackhawks last year, but mostly for Rockford. He puts up 21 goals last year, 20 goals this year. We know he can score. It is not easy to do, to put up points like that at his age. Usually guys that are putting up 50, 60, 70 points are guys that have been in the league for a long time. So that's very impressive. He was a play driver for the Rockford Icehawks and he could do that again for the Blackhawks, a team that's, you know, you look at the roster and you're like, who are half these players? Who are these guys going to be playing with Bedard next year? Reichel's going to go out there and make things a lot better. So I am very confident in his game. I think that Blackhawks fans should be very excited. Uh, you know, he was drafted 17th overall in 2020 and to me, for doing a redraft, might be a top ten prospect. So I think that the Blackhawks, you know, there's as they start to move up, they got a really good prospect pool. Reichel's kind of one of those first like real uh of this new era of the Blackhawks, one of the first real um promotions to full time duty, uh graduations, I should say. Uh and I think that it's just it's they're gonna need someone to play with Bedard. He can.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. I think that Reichel is going to be one of the the best deep sleepers for next season. And I think it works in any scenario. So let's say Reichel, because we know he can play Sven and the wing, so he can either end up on Bedard's wing or Bedard attracts all the defensive attention and Reichel gets to drive his own line and get sheltered matchups. So in any scenario, I think it's going to be very advantageous to him. And every time I think of any Reichel, I think of our old hockey news pal, Ken Campbell. And you know, every, like the, the, every year there's the tanking slogan, you know, fail for nail or, you know, tank for whoever. But the best one ever was for Jack Eichel. It was play like Robert Reichel for Jack Eichel. My favorite one of those ever. So <laughs> kudos, kudos again for that one. Uh, okay, so let's, let's end on that one and move on to some questions, Stephen. We have a few right now.
2: Okay, I've never heard of that phrase before. That was good. <laughs> uh, all right, this one's from Nicholas Zuber. Which pending UFA will disappoint the most? Not a great class, and I feel like people are going to start overhyping players, especially heading into fantasy drafts.
0: Okay, good question, Nicholas. We did mention a couple names already, of course, on the show, but I'm going to add a new one. And that's Dmitri Orlov, who probably won't be back with the Boston Bruins based on what his price tag is going to be. Uh, he had that amazing surge in offense after the trade deadline in which people started to call him Orlov. Uh, but he'd never had even a 40-point season in the NHL, still has not had a 40-point season in the NHL. He's never been a dominant offensive player. He's been very well-rounded. I'd say Orlov's brand is he's pretty good. He's a B in every single thing, right? He's like fairly good defensively. He can move the puck. He's not a dominant shutdown artist. He's not a dominant offensive player. He's just like pretty decent in every single category. So that makes him a very useful and versatile guy to put in your top four on d but he's 31 years old i just don't see him suddenly elevating his offense to a new level going forward just because he showed a nice little surge in boston uh so i think that he's going to get drafted for that production he showed in boston and i think he's going to disappoint relative to what his adp is going to be
2: See, I, I didn't know what your answer was gonna be. I didn't list that, but I, I had a feeling that's who it was gonna be, and that's who I would have picked. So <laughs> I'm uh, we're in agreement there, especially if the numbers were here in which we're like, I don't know, I can't remember what Frank was saying on the Daily Faceoff Live, but it was something like ridiculous. Uh Hockey Monkey ninety nine asks, do you see the Sabres making a trade for an experienced defenseman or going the free agency route?
0: Hockey Monkey ninety nine, I let's just pretend this is a Wayne Gretzky burner
2: account. Uh Yes. Oh so, no! It's 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 uh. Who's that? Um. The the uh not. What's that monkey that was in all those movies in the nineties? MVP. 90s sports? Yeah. 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 That's yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So uh yes, I do think the Sabers are going to make a trade because if you look at the UFA market, well, already two of the top names are gone. So Gavrikov resigns with LA. Severson, and we we already mentioned the Sabers need a righty. Damon Severson goes to Columbus in that trade. It's a really weak looking market out there right now. Uh. So to me. I think the better route is to go for a trade and bring in someone with experience. I could see Matt Dumba being someone you could buy really cheap from the Wild. Like They could probably eat some of his salary. We know they're trying to trim some cap space because they have those buyout penalties coming as well. right? So he's got a $6 million cap hit. What if the Wild retain half that? It, I think both teams would win that scenario, get Matt Dumba for $3 million for one season. Uh, another name I'd be looking at is Andrew Peak in Columbus because they have a bit of a logjam now with that decor really souped up. Of course, you have Dak Rensky coming back from injury and you have Provorov, you have Severson, you have Adam Boakfast, you have David Juracek who I think is going to make the team. So Peak gets really pushed down that depth chart. I could see him being someone that Columbus moves out and that could be a cheap pickup for the Sabres as well. So that's sort of a long version of an answer. But what I'm saying is I, I see the trade route being the way that Kevin
2: Adam goes. Okay. I like that. And this one's from Ranton and Raven. Who do you think will be the highest drafted backup or 1B goalie?
0: Great question from our, our question master, Ranton and Raven, because the 1B goaltender, as I said, talking zero goalie, you could just draft a team of 1Bs and you can end up running away with your league championship, right? Uh, like Because you would have had Philip Gustafson and Linus Ulmark if you did that this year, the two best goaltenders in the league this year. Um, So in terms of who will be drafted the highest of the 1Bs, Jeremy Swayman's got the cachet right now, of course, in tandem with Ulmark. Uh, I think that Marc-Andre Fleury will be the highest drafted 1B because I think a lot of casual drafters won't even realize that he's a 1B. His playing time split with Philip Gustafson was pretty even, but we know in the playoffs, Gustafson was the name that they relied on more, and he slowly kind of took over the job as the season progressed. So I think Fleury by far will be the highest drafted goalie who's technically a backup maybe he still plays 35 or 40 games next year but he's technically the number two now in my opinion um also the vegas logjam because you don't even know who the starter is going to be so technically like logan thompson could be the 1b or it could be aiden hill if he stays but whoever's going to be the 1b will be someone who plays a lot so he'll be drafted pretty high in terms of the 1bs that i would try to target hoping to catch the wave next season the big breakouts could of course who i've been high on for a while and joseph wool in Toronto. I think that the least, whether it's Samsonov or someone else, they're going to have a veteran option to pair with him, but I think that Wool will steal that job before the season's over. So to me, he's a great uh, sleeper pick in drafts next year.
2: If you also play in a salary cap league, a 1B might actually be the way to go for goaltending. You save the money there, we know that you don't want to invest a whole lot in goaltending, and then if you were able to maximize that by, uh, by, by getting a guy that's cheaper but still good, still gets a lot of starts, that could be valuable.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's that's. I think it's it's. I I don't even think there's a doubt right now that it's the way to go, just based
2: on the way the position is going. So I'm with you all the way. I'm still gonna picture Sturkin and Sorokin and Vasilevsky next year, like I did this year. And hey, you know, like I, I was just saying, goaltending won me the my hockey pool. So.
0: But that's also because you're in your four team league. And to quote my dad, a regular <laughs> Puck Police listener, he's like, "Steven's, uh, he's got to, Steven's got to join another league. He's got to be." Well,
2: I'm in another one, but it's not as interesting because I'm going <laughs> to rebuild right now. But I didn't even do well enough in a rebuild to get Bedard. So damn, it is. <laughs> Why well,
0: draft way. My team is so bad. I went for it. I could. I'm, I'm in the Carolina Hurricanes. Three straight conference final losses, and my best keepers. Ah, oh, it's going to be bad. I have a rough year ahead. <laughs> well,
2: hey, your league's long term. I think you just got to draft Mitchkov. Just, just pray for the best.
0: Maybe, yeah. Maybe, I I might actually, yeah. We'll see.
2: (laughs) All right, so it's time for the starting lineups. And uh, it was a bunch of episodes ago you asked me about my favorite hockey team names. So today I'm going to ask you your top six hockey player names.
0: Okay, this is a fun one. I took some time going through my favorites, so I'll start at number six, Maxim Fortunis. To me, he's like, we know Gladiator 2 has been greenlit it's going to be filmed. I think they might have started production. Maxim Fortunis sounds like the new protagonist that rises from being a slave and then fights his way to win the crowd, just like Maximus, right? It's a great gladiator-sounding name. Uh, Number five, Jonathan Quick, just because it's such a great name for a goaltender and because that is his game. It's not like Jonathan Quick's whole brand was positionally sound, efficient (laughs) hockey. No, he was all about athleticism. He was quick, right? That was his whole thing, so it was such a perfect name for him when he was at his peak. Number four, Miroslav Shatan. Just your last name, Satan. It's a, it's, it's quite a shame that he never played for the New Jersey Devils, but I do enjoy that there was a controversy in the late 90s. I think it was Wayne Gretzky 3D hockey, and parents were complaining because uh, he didn't have a photo for some reason. So he was just a blank face with Satan as his name when kids were playing the game, which was amazing. Uh, number three, Jeff bookaboom And again, just like with Jonathan Quick, it's not just a cool sounding name. It's a name that actually fits the player, which I love because Jeff Bukabun was a very physical defenseman for the New York Rangers, 1994. I remember Mike Richter telling me that he had a hard time seeing over Jeff Bukabun's butt all the time and drove (laughs) him crazy. He was such a big dude, but great name for someone (laughs) who likes to lower the boom. Number two, Tony Twist, just yeah. if you were just sitting in your home and someone knocked on the door and said, Hello, you need to go outside and fight a man named Tony Twist. <laughs> I think I would just I would just lie down and cry. Like it just it's such a fitting name. It just sounds so badass. And he was like Tony Twist was terrifying at his peak in terms of just the most feared enforcers in the game. And it's just such a it's such a punchy. It sounds like a comic book alter ego in a Marvel comic, right, Tony Twist? Fantastic name. Alliterative name. And number one, I'm going to go for another alliterative name. Zarli Zalavsky. Have you ever met a Zarli, let alone a Zarli whose last name also started with the letter Z? Double Z as your name. It's just the most unique sounding name in NHL history. I've never heard of another Zarli, and that name is just as memorable as it gets. So I stand by my list. Those are my top six hockey names of all time.
2: See, uh, I... There's a page on Elite Prospects called "Awesome Player Names," and it's—I've literally got had it bookmarked for as long as the pages existed because it's just great. You get guys like Brock Loser that played college <laughs> hockey, uh, uh, Paris Doofus who was on the Coyotes, uh, Dan Drinkwater, Racy Big Snake. Uh, guys, like you talk of Fukufuji was always a good one there too. Uh, Laton dress. Part of the reason why I, I, I have one of his jerseys is because I thought his name was so cool. Uh, Rick ice, a goaltender. I thought that's a good one. Uh, there was, Oh, there was like Emily pizza. I think, uh, one here, a guy played on the Minnesota fighting saints called Dick paradise. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brad Pitt played in the played hockey, the different one. Uh, Brooker, pretty young man. I like that one. Uh, Derek punches, Darren Poopa. uh, Wacy rabbit just you know awesome names
0: yeah a hockey's a great name sport i think the only sport that trumps hockey is maybe like old old school baseball names when players nicknames were just their first name like oil can is it oil can boy <laughs> names like that but yeah hockey's got a nice treasure trove of names there, there so was a
2: guy i, don't, I went into a, a short little dirt track here and there was a guy who was going by the name of like rockstar mcgee <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible <laughs>
0: And now, I think the new the new frontier of hockey names is just whatever's going on out there in the West, where every guy's name is Jaden or Jackson, every yeah, a million yeah. different spells of spellings of Wason and Jason and Glayson or whatever the <laughs> hell they're doing out there. It's just going to keep getting better and better. It's reached it's reached self parody levels, I think, at this point. Uh, well, Stephen, that's it for the starting lineup. That's it for this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to our sponsor Proline Plus, and thank you, of course, Stephen as well, who always doubles as the producer of this show and our off-season preview will continue with our next episode we will look ahead to the draft we will be at the draft we'll podcast while we're there but before next week we will tee it up and look at the fantasy storylines that are hanging over what's going to be a very exciting draft